Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With March Madness just around the corner, we go one-on-one with college basketball legend Coach K. Over five decades, Mike Krzyzewski K-R-Z-Y-Z-E-W-S-K-R netted an impressive record with five national championships, three Olympic golds, and the most victories of any college basketball coach ever. Go right away! While beloved by his players, his courtside glaring and swearing made him a target for the other side. I hate Duke like I hate the Nazis. Last year, Coach K hung up his whistle. I've been a a very lucky guy. But now, in one of his first post-retirement interviews, he gives us his candid take on what's wrong with the NCAA and reveals who he thinks will cut down the net this time. We have two things in common. Do I get a hint? I find cooking really hard. I find it really stressful. Do you feel your life is in danger? And the love of my mother is what brought me here. What was the worst investment? Oh, there's a long list of really bad ones. Mike Krzyzewski, Coach K, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. No, I'm excited to do it. I've watched many of your uh, your conversations, and they're, they're really good. So it's an honor to be on. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, let's start at the beginning. How are you feeling and how are you doing retired from coaching, especially when for the first time in almost 40 years, you're not going to be leading a team into March Madness? Yeah, I'm really happy and at peace, uh, Chris. I, I'm busy, happy. And yeah, I spent almost 50 years coaching uh, West Point, my alma mater, uh, Duke for 42 years and 11 years with the U.S. team. So I, I pretty much have squeezed every bit of coaching uh, out of that as, as you can. And uh, I love the game, but I, uh, you know, I'm 76 years old. I, it's time to spend a little bit more time with my family, especially my 10 grandkids. But honestly, can you really say that you don't miss coaching? Yeah, I don't. I miss the game. Now, there's a difference between the game and coaching. Uh, coaching means that there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of recruiting. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of. And uh, I don't miss that, you know, at all. So when I say I don't miss coaching, it's the, it's the whole deal, man. It's, it's, it's not just a, a game. You know, I think I could go out on the court, still coach a, a game, but I wouldn't be doing the preparation that the game deserves. And uh, I, was, I prepared very, very diligently uh, you know, for, for my games. And, uh, and I, got, I, I was tired of doing that. Let's talk about, about the state of the game. You have said that you think this is the most tumultuous time, your word, in college sports, that the game of college basketball is in chaos. Why, why do you say that? 
Well, the game that's being played is not in chaos. We have good coaches, good players. It's uh, the things that uh, uh, that are happening to the uh, people playing the game. You know, in the last two years, we have had the advent of the transfer portal, uh, which is good for player movement. But uh, you know, there, I think there's as many as 1,800 kids transferred uh, last year in Division in Division One. That's a lot. That's a lot. And uh, you have uh, also NIL, which uh, really should have happened a long time ago in college sports, but it all is hitting right now. And so there are no guardrails. There are no really standards or, uh, I hate to say, rules, uh, guide, guidelines for, for what to do in this. Let, let's break this down because you, you, you packed a lot into that answer. One of the big yeah. issues right now in all of college sports is whether players should finally get a piece of the pie. Uh, the Supreme Court opened the door to uh, players being able to benefit from, to, to get money for their name, image, likeness, NIL. There's now right. currently a lawsuit uh, that would allow uh, players to be treated in effect as employees where they would get uh, a minimum salary and overtime. Are you OK with all of that? It's not a matter of being a fan or whatever. It's about being in control of of your of your sport and and helping the kids. Uh, they haven't been helped for decades. They've been uh, basically, in some respects, used. Uh, and so that's no longer no longer the case. And so I just wish there was uh, a group a, a group and like who's doing this, Chris? Who would? Who would you bring on the show from the NCAA and say, what's happening, man? What are you, what are you doing? There is, I don't know who that is. You have been very critical of the NCAA, which runs college right. basketball, too big, too bureaucratic, too inflexible. It's, to explain to the layman who's not as involved in it and right. knowledgeable as you are, obviously, what would you like to see for college basketball? Chris, you'll be shocked at what I'm going to say, or maybe you won't, but I'm going to say it. Uh, in the 47 years that I was a college basketball coach, every decision that was made concerning our sport was eventually had to go through many committees. And finally, at the, the committee that was going to make the decision, do you know that a basketball coach was never present in the room where the decision was going to be made. How can you have a good feel for what you're deciding on if you don't hear from the people who coach the game or the head of our coaches association? Uh, I mean, it's like Hamilton. We needed to be in the room where it happens and uh, we haven't been. And, and so how can, uh, how can that be good? I don't know. I don't understand how can you can make uh, just good decisions without that input. So there's a new sheriff in town, Governor Charlie Baker of Massachusetts, the new head of the NCAA. Are you? Right. I, I would think if you've called him, he would take your call. Are you going to say to him, "Hey, get us involved"? <laughs> well, yeah, I respect him and the job he he's done thus far in his career, and to have a, a man of his stature, a leader of his stature, taking over 
is a, gives a certain level of excitement. But what are you going to what are you going to do? Like, are, he's not even going to go to Indianapolis. He's going to be he's going to stay in where he's at. He'll spend a lot of time in right by you in the District of Columbia because the NCAA feels that they need government to take care of what's happening right now with NIL, pay for players, things like that. And uh, they may be right, but then government will be involved from that moment on for your future. Like, what's the plan? You know, in other words, treat it like a business. And that's why I think you should do it be more sports specific. I'd like men's and women's college basketball to be treated as a business. It is. It's a billion dollar business. It's a billion. And men's, the men's basketball tournament, Chris, provides somewhere like 98 to 90, 99% of the revenue for the NCAA. Football doesn't do that. Football provides immense revenues for the conferences. But for the NCAA, it's the men's basketball tournament that provides that. How can you, you gotta, you gotta make sure as business people that that sport, and again, and I think you need to figure out how to monetize the women's game at a high at a higher level and work together to make make that happen. You only do that if you if you have a certain amount of autonomy in in, uh, in, in setting that up. One criticism that you have faced is that you changed your opinion or your policy when it came to one and done with players. When when it right. started, you insisted, even though that if a person was going to join the Duke program, they had to commit to graduate from Duke. And eventually, with one and done, players play one year and then they go to the pros. You gave up on that. Why did you do that? Was it just you bowing to reality? Well, I think you evolve. You know, we didn't have a player go early until Elton Brand did in uh, 1999. That was before the so-called one and one and done. One and done, uh, more so in the last 12 to 13 years, became uh, a reality. And look, we didn't really change how we recruited. Yeah, uh, we, re- we look for talent, you know, how they would fit in our environment and character. You know, you know if uh, Jason Tatum was recruited in the early 90s, like Grand Hill, he would have stayed at Duke for four years. If Grand Hill was recruited like Jason Tatum, you know, five, six years ago, there's a good chance he would not stay. And so times change and more so than our, you know, we still recruit great kids with great talent and, uh, and we've done a decent job with them. So they were, would be in a position to go early. You know, saying you're going to go early, go early to do what? If you're going to be a lottery pick or, you know, mid first round pick, you have, you know, you have to go, you know, the, because look in the NBA, it's a, you know, the, the career is not like LeBron James usually where it's 20 years, it's a lot less. And so the earlier you go, the more opportunity you have, if you hit it to get max contracts and maximize the time that you do have the talent to play professional basketball. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. 
Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Let's talk, finally, about some actual games. I think the most iconic moment in the history of the Duke program, maybe you'll disagree with me, was the 1992 regional final against Kentucky. Overtime, 2.1 seconds left. Duke is down by one. Uh, Grant Hill gets the ball. He throws it three quarters of the way down the court to Christian Leitner, dribbles once, turns, pivots, hits the shot. Duke wins by one. What do you remember about that moment? Well, to be quite frank with you, uh, the elation, the joy that our group experienced. And Chris, right in front, I couldn't see Leitner's shot go in, but I knew it went in because everybody was jumping. Right in front of me, Richie Farmer, one of the uh, great kids who played for Kentucky, collapsed right out on the court. And I still get chills thinking of it because it was uh, the agony and the ecstasy. And I went right away to Richie Farmer and I think there was, uh, we, we all took care of one another, but we all knew that we were in a moment in, in time and we, we ended up winning that moment, but you know what they did too even even though they, they lost the game. It was, it was a, a, an incredible moment. Take us into the timeout before that final play. What did you say uh, to the players? And is, is it true that as, they, as you broke the huddle, you said, we're going to win? Well, you know, I was taught in the military that you speak to action, even if you don't believe something's going to happen. So when they hit a shot with 2.1 seconds, and you have to call a timeout at that time, that the clock didn't stop. So our guys called a timeout, but they were at the other end of the court. And I met them as they were coming to, uh, they were coming to the bench. And I was saying then, we're going to win. And I asked uh, Grant Hill, can you throw the ball 75 feet? Now, we ran that same play a few weeks earlier at Wake Forest, and Grant Hill uh, threw a, a curveball that almost hit a lady in the stands, not in the end zone, but on the side. So I was basically saying, can you throw it? And Grant will tell you that when he said yes, he felt like he already did it. And then uh, Christian, I I looked at him, I said, if I bring you up from the baseline, uh, will you catch the ball? And we had a couple options. And he then, in only his unique way, because he's such a great competitor, he said, Coach, if Grant throws a good pass, I'll catch it. 
And I wanted to say, you promise, we, you know, but I, 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 and when we left, when we left the bench, I thought we had a chance. And that's, that's what happens when you have that period of time that you are with, look, we had a great team and uh, Grant did throw a great pass. Christian had the, uh, had the courage to take that one dribble to get good momentum and, and then he hit it. And uh, that, that shows you though, Chris, how, how hard it is to win that tournament, because if he misses, we don't win our second national championship. And sometimes it's one play like that, not necessarily in the game for the championship that puts you in a position to win. That's why I think it's the toughest tournament in sport to win. As you mentioned, you not only have coached college basketball, you also coached the U.S. national team to three straight Olympic gold medals. How different was it coaching professional basketball players as opposed to college kids? Well, different and great. You know, I mean, both are are great. When you're coaching in college, they're young men. I call it you cross bridges with them of improvement and you cross them together with, uh, with the U S team, they're grown men. They've crossed their bridges all already. Now, can we cross one bridge together? You know, can we put all our egos under one ego umbrella and, uh, and, and win a gold medal and not just win a gold medal, but win the respect of our country and win the respect of the world while we're doing it. And those guys did that. They were, now, they really bought into everything. You, speaking of the NBA, you were approached, according to what I've read, six different times to coach in the NBA, including by a couple of teams pretty well known, the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. Why did you always say no, coach? Look, if you're a really good coach in any sport, you're going to be approached. So I'm not the only basketball coach that's been approached. Uh, at the end of the day, the way the college game was, I love the college game. I love being at Duke. I love having crossing bridges with, with those kids, even if it was for only a year. And uh, uh, when I turned down the Laker job in 2005, a, uh, like three months later, I was offered to be the first United States national coach. And that was my fix, so to speak. Uh, you know, I, I loved coaching those guys. You won 1,202 college basketball games, which is the most in history. What is the secret to coaching bas- uh, college basketball? Is it X's and O's? Is it motivation? And how do you take stars and role players and create a team? Well, it, it's about relationships, uh, you know, relationships with talented kids who are good kids. You know, they, in other words, they have character. The individual relationships that you and your staff develop with them is immense. I mean, it, it's and, and also it's so fulfilling. But then the relationship that you develop with your team, and that's different. But if you have the individual relationships, the other is a lot easier to attain. And then obviously you, you have to work hard and uh, you have to prepare. And But Chris, I knew when I was 16 years old what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a coach. 
and a teacher. And so, uh, you know, a lot of my buddies back in the inner city of Chicago <laughs> said, you've never worked a day in your life, knucklehead. And I said, you know, you're right. And uh, I, I've been able to do what I've loved my entire life. And the other aspect of that that's important is to maintain balance off the court. You know, my wife, Mickey, and I have been married for 53 years. She's been an amazing partner. We got married on graduation day at West Point. We have three great girls, daughters, and 10 grandchildren. And we've been a family uh, that has had my, my career. You know, in fact, uh, our group texts, my daughters, my three daughters, my wife and I are the starting five. And uh, you know, after the show's over, I'll look at it and there might be, I bet there are you know, 30 messages and there'll be pictures of grandkids and all that. And I, anyway, it keeps me current, but the starting five has kept me, given me great balance and, and great support. You talk about the starting five. Your sons-in-law, married to your three daughters, say that dating Coach K's daughters was intimidating and that when they came in the house, you would fix them with what they call the stare. Well, that's as it should be. Yeah. <laughs> They're my daughters. They had to fear something. I, I wanted to make sure. Uh, you know, a little bit of fear is not bad, Chris. Can you give us a sense, look into the camera and, and give me the stare for five seconds? Ooh. <laughs> wow. I don't know if I'd come back for a second date, but I guess that's the test. <laughs> well, you, bet, you better love my daughter and take care of her then uh, in order to, to uh, get over that. <laughs> but you know what? There's a smile, too. There's a smile, too. Once You got to prove your worth, man. You got to prove your worth. Is it true that you initially wanted your 10 grandchildren when you started having grandchildren to call you coach, but that Mickey and your daughters <laughs> put, it, put an end to that? No, it's one of the great stories of what a guy should not do. I, I, I made such a dumb mistake. Uh, it, you know, Chris, there are certain things that guys never think of. I know, and the ladies out there would say there are a lot of them. <laughs> we can give you a list of them. But uh, one of them, I never thought of, you know, what would your grandkids call you? I never even thought of grandkids. You know, you're thinking of winning games and all that. So when my daughter, Debbie, was pregnant, uh, this is going to be our first grandchild. We're the starting five is together. And I'm listening because that's what I'm accustomed to doing when I'm with my daughters and my wife, which is cool. I love it. And, uh, and all of a sudden, Debbie says, Dad, what would you want your grandkids to call you? All right. What I, what I should have said is answer that with a question. What do you think? <laughs> yes. I, would, I, I was uh, about to coach you and say that's what you should have said. <laughs> No, I know. I, Chris, I know. And I knew it as the words were coming out uh, when I said, because I didn't say that. And so I, I, I don't think, I don't think. And I say, coach. And it's a dumb answer and whatever. And I just got annihilated. I mean, whew, four ladies were just, you self, you egotistical. You, now, wait a minute. What? 
then I said, well, what do you think? And then it eventually ended up Poppy and uh, my wife, Minnie. But when people say, what's one of the biggest mistakes of your life? That day was one of the biggest mistakes <laughs> that, that, uh, that I made. Really a dumb, dumb move, dumb move on my part. One project that I know that you're deeply involved in is the Emily Krzyzewski right. Center named after your mom. Tell us what that is. Well, my mom uh, never went to high school. She's eighth, uh, eighth grade education, and her parents came from Poland, just like my dad's did. And uh, she was a cleaning lady in downtown uh, at the Chicago Athletic Club in, in downtown Chicago. And uh, but she believed in education. Uh, the, the main reason I went to West Point was because she kind of forced me to go to West West Point. And so we're in our 17th year. The Emily Krzyzewski Center uh, services about 2,000 kids a year now in four different programs. 300 kids are actually in after-school programs. And then they eventually, all of our kids have gotten into college. Only one in about five low-income kids in the Durham community get an opportunity to go to college. And so we have different programs. We have a, st a staff of 25 people. Uh, it's gone bonkers good. And, and uh, uh, it's because that eighth grade cleaning lady believed in education. I think, Chris, one of the hidden resources that and undeveloped resources we have in our country are in low-income communities, and they're the kids in those communities that have amazing talents but are not given an opportunity to develop those talents. And we've seen that happen uh, with the Emily Krzyzewski Center. That is a great thing, and what a tribute to your, to your mom. Uh, finally, Coach, uh, I need some help with my March Madness brackets. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Now, and you've got to help me here. I don't want sort of a... Uh, a non-answer. Who do you see in the final four? And you cannot say Duke. First of all, there's more parity in college basketball uh, than ever. And so the field is really open. Uh, and uh, I think Houston has shown that they've stood the test, test of time. But Kansas, you know, Bill Self is one of the truly great coaches in our game. And they're, they're playing at a high level. I still like Purdue in there because uh, Ivy is uh, their 7-2 guy, I think, is the most impactful player. And I think uh, a team that hasn't really been given the credit that they've earned thus far is UCLA. So those would be four chances. Uh, of course, I, I think that they could all be eliminated by the four ACC schools that will be in their, uh, in, in their regions. All right, you've given me the final four. Final question, who do you see cutting down the net? Well, Duke. No, uh, no, no, you still can't say Duke. John <laughs> you can't say Duke. <laughs> no. Houston, uh, Purdue, I, I think, UCLA. I think, pro I, I think probably Houston has the oldest in, uh, team, and they play the as good a defense as there is. And so I, I would say that they are a slight favorite uh, to do that. And uh, 
I wonder in the history of the game, once Coach Wooden stopped coaching, how many of the favorites actually won the whole, uh, the whole thing? Because, it, look, it's a dangerous tournament. There are six games that you have to win in order to win the whole thing. And in any one of those games, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tournament of moments. And sometimes it's not your moment. It's that one kid that you never heard about uh, until he hits the shot right at the buzzer that eliminates you. The one and done aspect of the tournament makes it so very, very difficult uh, to win it. Uh, so it'll be exciting. Yeah, look, there's no sport that takes over the whole country for one month like this tournament does. And uh, for me to be a part of that tournament for over four decades was an incredible honor. Well, you earned it, Coach K. Thank you so much. Thanks for playing along on the brackets. Yeah. And that's why they call it March Madness. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks. And I really love being on. Well, you won't see Mike Krzyzewski pacing the Duke sideline during the upcoming NCAA tournament. You can get his thoughts on the game and other subjects on his weekly Sirius XM radio show, Basketball and Beyond, with Coach K. Thank you for watching. Catch us every Sunday night on CNN and keep streaming anytime you want right here on HBO Max to find out who's talking next. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.